0: Peace be to you. The subject of this lesson is the Mass. It is a continuation of the Eucharist in the last lesson. It must be understood at the beginning that the Eucharist may be considered either from the point of view of a sacrament or from the point of view of a sacrifice. In order to understand this distinction, because it is rather a technical one, we go back to the analogy of nature. Every day of your life, you partake of certain food, the products of wheat, vegetables, fish, meat. They all enter into the sustenance of your life. They nourish you, they feed you. But have you ever thought of this other side? Before they can ever nourish you, they must be submitted to some kind of sacrifice. Before they can be the sacrament of your physical life, they must die or be sacrificed. The vegetables must be torn up from the roots, submitted to fire the purification of waters. Animals must be submitted to the knife. Death, in other words, intervenes before you can live. Even nature, therefore, suggests that before you can have a sacrament, you must have a sacrifice. Before you can have communion, you must have the sacrifice or the consecration. Now running through nature too is this other law that we live by what we slay. After all we slay to some extent the vegetables and certainly the animals. And when we slay them and they submit themselves to our living they are transformed into our higher life. This law seems to be applied even on Calvary. Is it not true, when we look at that cross, that we live by what we slay? Who of us can claim innocence of the crucifixion? Which one of us can lay his hand upon the crucifix and say, I am innocent of the blood of this man? Our pride is there in crown of thorns, our avarice in the pinioned hands, our carnality and torn flesh. And yet, though we are responsible for his death through our sins, he gives us his life. We live by what we have slain. We said that our blessed Lord came to this earth in order to redeem us. There's always been an anticipation in history of sacrifice, of this great sacrifice. Man, conscious of his own unworthiness, has taken wheat and grapes and bullocks and doves and sheep, made these things stand for himself. Then he destroyed them. In order that there might be some proof before God that he was not worthy to exist in his presence. You see, it was a vicarious sacrifice in the sense that they stood for man. Now, in the Jewish religion, the sacrificial types were ordained by God himself. One of them was the Paschal Lamb. But in all sacrifices, pagan and Jewish, the priest who offered was always distinct from the victim which was offered. If we call the priest the offerer, he is distinct from the fruit or the animal which was the offered. The two were never together. Always distinct. You could point to the priest on one hand, the victim on the other. Until our Lord appeared. Our blessed Lord was both priest and victim. He differed from every other sacrifice in the world in the sense that he offered himself. He gave his own life. He was the offerer and the offered. He took our place. There was still a vicarious sacrifice. He took our place as if The sins were his own. Now, what is the Mass? It is the commemoration of that death and the application of that sacrifice of the cross to ourselves. Because this is rather a new idea, perhaps to many, we will have to use an analogy. And the analogy is that of Memorial Day. All peoples have kept a memory of the soldiers who died in battle in order that their memory might evoke piety and love of country. In the United States, we decorate soldiers' graves on Memorial Day, recalling the sacrifice which they made in order that we might live and be preserved in freedom. Now our blessed Lord died as the great captain of our salvation, he did not come to live. He came to die. That was the purpose of his coming, to offer himself in our stead to undo to undo our infinite guilt. His death, in a certain sense, was more important than the 33 years of his physical life, because it was his death that purchased our salvation. And the bloody sacrifice on the cross began when he instituted the Last Supper. Notice the words now of our Lord just before he instituted this memorial. He's going to have a memorial, not day, but act. And immediately before he institutes this memorial, Scripture states, Jesus already knew that the time had come for his passage from this world to the Father. He still loved those who were his own, whom he was leaving in this world, and he would give them the uttermost proof of his love. Now he proposes to give that uttermost proof. The Last Supper which is looking forward to his cross, he is not going to leave the memory of his death to the chance recollection of men, because he knows that men have very short memories. He is going to himself institute the precise memorial. So on this night before he dies, at the Last Supper, he institutes not a memorial day, but a memorial act. Here we must recall the words of our Lord at the Last Supper, quoting the Gospel of Luke. Then he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Continuing Scripture. Then he took a cup and offered thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink, all of you, of this, for this is my blood, of the New Testament shed for many to the remission of sins. Thus Scripture. At that moment, the substance of the bread became the substance of the body of Christ, the substance of the wine became the substance of His blood. Now, he says to his church, and I'm quoting scripture, Our Lord said, what I have just done, do you in your turn in commemoration of me. Certainly these words mean that if the apostles were to do what he did, They had to be given the power to do it. Now this night of the Last Supper, when our Lord instituted this commemoration of his death, he was looking forward to Calvary on the next day. The cross would not be a distinct sacrifice. It would not be an entirely different oblation, but merely a new presence of the same sacrifice. This last supper was the unbloody presentation of his sacrifice and the next day would be bloody when our blessed Lord went to the cross. What we have to emphasize here is our Lord said, do this. Repeat it. Prolong it. Extend it through space and time that all may share in my sacrifice. When we do this, we have the mass. Here we invoke another analogy, and all analogies are incomplete. But here we use the analogy of a drama. Suppose that some great playwright wrote a magnificent drama, the greatest one that was ever composed. It might conceivably have been the story of how a whole community of people who were suffering from leprosy were cured of that disease, how they were restored to peace and unity among themselves, and how they all began to live in charity. Suppose, furthermore, that this drama was so well written and presented and acted that it would be a shame if only the people of one city and in one theater and at one moment of time saw it. What a tragedy, we would say, that a drama which did so much for the hearts of men should have no other recall, no other memory, than what, say, four dramatic critics wrote about it telling about the characters, quoting a line here and there. Do you think our Lord went through this tragedy of Calvary only once and intended to leave no other memory than what four writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, might say about it? Of course not. Just as theater producers would organize road companies of that great drama, so our blessed Lord organized road companies, as it were. The great tragedian Christ offered his life for the sins of the world in accordance with the script that had been written by his heavenly Father. And immediately afterwards, in accordance with his instruction. The tragedy of Calvary is repeated throughout the world thanks to the road companies, as it were, which are playing to packed houses every day even to this very hour. This representation, this reenactment of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross applied to our day and to our lives is the Mass. In the Mass, the mystical body of Christ actually united to Christ its head, offers through him and with him the sacrifice of Calvary. As our blessed Lord in the Last Supper look forward to the cross, so in the Mass, we look back to the cross in the Last Supper. Which brings up two questions. How does the sacrifice of the cross differ from the sacrifice of the Mass? And, Are the sacrifice of the cross and the sacrifice of the mass the same? Let us take similarities, then differences. First, what are the similarities between the cross and the mass? This is the basic similarity. There is the same priest in both Christ and the same victim in both. Christ both on the cross and in the mass our Lord is both the offerer and the offered that is why scripture says quote, we can claim a great high priest one who has passed right up through the heavens Jesus the Son of God let us come boldly then before the throne of grace to meet with mercy and win that grace which will help us in our needs. Note the continuing exercise of his priesthood. In the Mass, he offers to his Father his sacrifice. He is pleading as high priest on our behalf. Now here's an image that cannot be pressed too closely, but imagine our blessed Lord in heaven in his glory, holding out his scars, saying to his heavenly Father, see what I suffered for men. As the epistle to the Hebrews said, if the sacrifices of the Old Testament gave outward purification, shall not the blood of Christ who offered himself through the Holy Spirit purify our consciences to serve the living God? Our Lord is the priest and the victim. Between our sins and his glory, he interposes his eternal sacrifice. Well, you ask, what is the role of the priest, the earthly priest? And he stands at the altar. But well, when I, for example, offer the Holy Mass, I am merely the instrument of Christ. He offers the Mass. He's the offering. I am not an instrument like a pencil, but an animated instrument. Every priest is the sacramental image of Christ in whose person and in who, with whose power he utters the words of consecration. We cannot repeat it too often. Christ is the priest, Christ is the victim. Now, when we are ordained, we receive a power to act by the power of Christ and in his name. We lend our Lord our tongue. We give him the use of our hands. But the sacrifice is his. He is the priest, he is the victim. What now are the differences? Among others, we will mention two. The sacrifice of the cross was a very bloody sacrifice, and the sacrifice of the mass is unbloody. That is to say, on Calvary, those who stood Near it saw red rivers of redemption flow from hands and feet and side. But in the Mass, there is no physical crucifixion. The crucifixion is symbolically represented under the species of bread and wine. The second difference, and this is very important, on the cross our Lord was alone. In the Mass, the mystical body is with him. On the cross, our Lord was alone. He redeemed us all. By that sacrificial act, he put, as it were, a great deposit in a bank for the spiritually poor of the world. It will only be through the coming of the Spirit that we will be able to draw on that deposit. And when the Holy Spirit came and the church began to offer the Mass, then, our Lord is not alone. We are with him. He, the head, makes use of his body. The mystical body is united with Christ, the head, the offerer. The mystical body is united with Christ, the head, as the offered. That is why when we Offer the Mass, the prayers are in the plural. For example, We thy servants, Lord, and with us all thy holy people, offer to thy sovereign majesty this sacrifice. In the Mass, our Lord is no longer the sole priest, no longer the sole victim. First of all, he has associated with him us earthly priests who are the instruments of his power, but he also has victims associated with him too, namely the sacrifices and the battles against the old Adam and the crucifixion of our lusts and concupiscences, in fact, all of the trials of the mystical body of Christ. Mass, then, is not a souvenir. When you assist at Mass, it is not just the same as going, for example, to Calvary and chipping away a rock and saying, this is a souvenir of the place where our Lord died. No, the Mass is a vision, it is an action. In time, and in eternity. In time, because we see it. We see it taking place before our eyes on the altar. It is also in eternity. As regards the value of redemption. All of the merits of our Lord's death, resurrection, ascension, glorification, are applied to us. We unite ourselves with that great eternal act of love. The Mass, then, is not a distinct sacrifice from the cross. If when the Blessed Mother and Saint John and Mary Magdalene If, when they were at the foot of the cross, they had closed their eyes and merely consecrated on the tremendous mystery of love being enacted before their eyes, they would have been assisting at the Mass. And if we at the Mass close our eyes and concentrate on that mystery, we would equivalently be with Mary and Magdalene and John at the foot of the cross. The Mass is not a new sacrifice. It is the representation in space and in time of redemption. Why should we be penalized by the Eternal because of the accident of time? Are there not women today who want to be Veronica's and to offer veils to the suffering Christ? Are there not men like Simon's who want to help him carry the cross? And do we not want to take our own sufferings, to have them united with him in order that they might be considered part of our expiation for sins? It is said that today that science might someday be able to go back and pick up all of the sounds that were ever spoken and ever uttered, and ever made in the universe because they exist someplace in space. That means that we might recover the voice of Alexander and Gregory and Demosthenes, and even the voice of Christ. But what is that compared to going back and finding and repeating the very sacrifice of the cross? of taking the cross of Calvary, transplanting it into New York, to London, Tokyo, and Berlin, and applying the benefits of redemption to our souls now. What a mystery of love. This is the Mass.